0: This is Negotiate X podcast, show number 72, part A. Welcome to the NegotiateX podcast. I am your co-host and co-founder, Nolan Martin. And with me today is my good friend, co-host, co-founder, Aram Dinesian. Aram, how are you doing today, man?
1: I'm I'm doing well, Nolan. I'm excited by our guest. It's a little little bit of a shift from maybe some of the folks we often bring on. Uh, but I'll tell you, one of the questions I get asked all the time from my students is, tell me about a current negotiation you have going on. Now, I, I am involved with corporate partners who are doing different negotiations and what I tell them is most days, day in, day out, I'm negotiating with my six children. Uh, and, and, and sometimes they feel like hostage negotiations. So I said, you know what? I need to bring somebody on for my own benefit uh, who can help, help me with these day-to-day family negotiations. So I scoured the internet and, and I found today's guest and I can't, I can't wait to introduce her. So if it's all right with you, Nolan, I'm going to do that. Yep, absolutely. All right, so folks, today I, I am pr- privileged to introduce Natalie Costa. Natalie is an award-winning coach speaker, author and founder of Power Thoughts, a coaching service designed to empower children and give them power over their own thoughts. Throughout her career, private practice and workshop, she has helped thousands of children worldwide feel calmer, happier and more empowered. Supporting children from as young as five, her programs are designed to help children recognize that they don't have to respond to every thought they think or react to everything they feel. That's good advice for adults, too. (laughs) By doing this, they can grow in confidence, feel happier, and be more empowered when dealing with a multitude of pressures. With a background in psychology and 12 years spent within the educational sector, as well as becoming an accredited performance coach, Power Thoughts was born. It blends Natalie's past experiences and deep understanding of children and their needs and provides them with tools to cope and thrive in the modern world. Natalie has been featured in the national press and TV, including Stella Magazine, Good Morning Britain, BBC Breakfast, The Sunday Times, and The Telegraph. By national press, we should have meant the UK press, by the way, uh, as we travel across the pond today for our guest. She is also a super tutor for BBC Bite Size and the co-author of activity books for children called Know Your Feelings, Stretch Your Confidence, and Find Your Power. Her intention is to always be focused on helping one child at a time to be as happy as they can be. When not working, Natalie enjoys exploring new city running routes with her husband, and she'll never say no to a good cup of coffee and a slice of cake. I'm with you on that one, Natalie. (laughs) Folks, if you're looking for tools to help your child feel brave, confident, and empowered, then not only is today's program for you, but you should also consider joining Natalie's Power Thoughts for Parents Facebook group, where you'll get daily tips to support the entire family. Thank you, Natalie, for joining us today.
2: Thank you, thank you so much, and it's a real, real pleasure to be here. Thank you.
1: What I didn't see in your bio, but what I know is there, is you've been called the Child Whisperer, right?
2: <laughs> oh yes, I did, I did, I did. That was um. Through BBC Bitesize, we did a range of projects around emotional well-being, um, and yes, I have been called that by some parents as well, so <laughs> 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 I don't
1: Well, listen, many of our guests that we bring into our podcast talk about negotiations, influence, persuasion, often in the context of inter- individuals' professional careers or business to business operations. Your work is around helping children thrive in the midst of personal conflict, both internal and external. So why is this work so important, especially as we sit here in 2023 and we look at the world around us?
2: Mm, Good question, good question. And I think, you know, why is it so important? Because we've never been taught or modeled how to sit with difficult emotions. And if we are looking at the world today, I think just putting on the news will show you that there are a lot of grown-ups that can't deal with difficult feelings. Um, and I think, you know, this, this to me, it's, it's so important that we can start to teach our children how to work with difficult feelings and not necessarily always fixing them or suppressing them or problem solving, but actually how do I just work through it? um because my feelings come and go so instead of reacting how can i learn to respond um and i think you know it is really important because we've got to look after our mental well-being and like i said you know there's so much more awareness now around the importance of our well-being and mental fitness and all of the things that we should be doing to look after our mind um but we also have to recognize that many of a lot of this information wasn't around when we were kids, when we were younger. And our parents did the best they could with the tools that they had, but it wasn't around for them either. Um, but we now have the opportunity to, to do better.
1: Now, I, I really appreciate this piece about we just haven't had it modeled for us. And in fact, it seems like what so often we see day to day in the news, certainly in social media clips, it's the exact opposite. I mean, the things we're recording are, are, would be horrible examples for our children.
2: Yeah. 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 You know, and I think it is also that lack of awareness. So it's, it is about beginning to educate the new generation in terms of having that awareness around their emotions, around how they feel and understanding, you know, what's going on. And yes, it doesn't feel good inside because of all these big feelings. And I just want to take that out. But when they start to learn the skills from a young age and i mean this is ongoing work and even us as adults us as well exploring actually do you know what i got really angry there but what was actually going on underneath and what was it that i was really feeling um it always comes down to a fear based emotion and in those those fear-based emotions we feel alone in our feelings So that's the other thing as well, is in terms of, you know, my work is, yes, it's about building that awareness within our children, giving them the foundational skills that they will hopefully develop over time. But equally, it's about supporting parents to recognize, you know, when your child says they hate you, as triggering as it is, that's actually a window to, okay, well, what's going on underneath for them? And in that, they're feeling alone in those feelings and they don't have the tools or the development yet to cope with that.
1: This is going to be a good conversation today. I can tell. Excited. Excited. This will be good. All right.
0: Now, thank you for joining us today, Natalie. I know that you did a number of things before diving fully into what you're doing now. Was this always the plan? Can you share a little bit about your personal journey. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it wasn't the plan at all. Um, I, no, definitely not. I, um, I never really knew what I wanted to do after school. I mean, I grew up in South Africa. My parents were quite, you know, get a good education, go to university. Um, I loved art and creative side of things. And I remember doing this EQ, IQ, aptitude test and teaching was one of the things that came up and I was like okay I could bring my art into this as well um fast forward I absolutely did not enjoy teaching art to children because <laughs> it was just crazy it was just messy um but I yeah I trained to be a teacher and I qualified and I also did my um what really interested me was human behavior. Actually, from my teens, I always wanted to know, you know, why do we behave the way that we do? Personal development was a big thing for me. Um, and so my first year, I did my teaching degree, and then in my second year, I decided to do psychology as, as an additional in the evenings. Um, and I loved that. I was fascinated by the brain, how it worked, and then I stayed on for another year to do my honors in psychology. Um, and my Pe- and then I thought, well, I need to get a job. And at that point, so many South Africans were coming over to the UK to teach. And I thought, well, let me come and teach for two years and then go back and do my master's in Ed Psych. But that never happened, stayed here. Um, and I wasn't happy being a teacher. I really wanted to leave because I was, it was, you know, all the, the boxes to tick, the paperwork, the you're doing everything but teaching. And I always used to say as well to my mom, you know, I want to teach what I'm passionate about. I want to teach kids about their feelings and stuff that I struggled with, you know, being a, a warrior and struggling with anxiety. I want to teach kids how not to you know, have the tools to help them. Um, and so long story short, I actually dappled a bit in the fitness industry. So I was a fitness instructor for a period of time um, and then decided that's not the route I want to go down. And then the school I was with sent me on a coaching course thinking it was physical education, but it was actually a taster to performance coaching. And that really got me on this, wow, you know, it's like, so life coaching kind of made an appearance then and so that got me really intrigued in that that field. And so then I qualified to be a performance coach. And initially, I still wanted to leave teaching. I was fed up. I was like, I don't want to do anything. I want to work with women making career changes. Um... And then the kids that I was working with at that year, in that particular year group were really stressed about going to secondary school and their tests and things. And I just come off a stress coaching day, CPD day. And I was like, why are we not teaching them about stress in the brain? And so that got me on this journey of why don't I actually bring these coaching modalities and break them down into fun lessons that kids can start to learn how to regulate their emotions, why they behave the way that they do. Um, So no, it was, it was never the plan.
1: (laughs) plan. What I hear though, is a pretty consistent theme though, around a desire to, to understand human behavior, engage with it and help others engage with that too. Uh, why, why we think and do and feel the way we do.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: And I'm hoping we can get into some like specific vignettes. We've, we've come up with some. I don't know where they came from. Certainly didn't come from, you know, my own world for sure. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, and that, and some of that's for the benefit of our listeners. More of it's for the opportunity for me to get some free coaching. Um, <laughs> that's why, that's the whole reason we had you on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so before we go there though, um, I'd like to do just a little bit more setup and and maybe talk about these big feelings that you were talking about do you see frequent flyers in terms of what these what these emotions or big feelings are um that kids most often feel um and then do they vary at all by by age um i know you gave the context of kind of stress of starting secondary school um what do you see by age and in terms of you know common big big feelings
2: yeah i think Commonly, it tends to be either ansi- like anxiety and anger. I mean, if I kind of have to be generalistic about it, definitely, I uh, think anxiety has definitely been on the increase since COVID. Um, that you know, obviously, understandably, our world's completely changed, and I don't think we're out of it now because what I'm seeing now are at least here on this side, is, you know, children still struggling to go back to school because, or should I say that emotional resiliency that children maybe naturally would have developed at school, you know, the friendship fallouts, not getting part of a team, like those little things that happen day in, day out, that builds that emotional resiliency. We didn't have that for a good chunk of time. Um and so the separation anxiety when kids go to school that I would typically have seen in my years as a teacher, like working with young kids, that like first day, you know, challenges. That was echoed now a lot later on down the line, but you wouldn't really expect it. Um, and then equally, you know, anger as well. I think... Um, <laughs> Kids are going to have big feelings. They're going to have meltdowns. And the challenge is for, you know, the parents, the adults is, well, how do I deal with this? I don't want this because it's just uncomfortable. Just do what I say. And it's the power struggles we get caught in. Um, and I mean, across the year, you know, across the ages, I think it is it all kind of to me, there isn't anything specific that stands out, I think. But definitely, you know, if I have to say the anxiety aspect is something that I've definitely seen an increase of Over the years in comparison to when
1: I started and you were talking earlier um, that, you know, everything's kind of fear based emotions are both anxiety and anger rooted in in fears.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, I'm being very generalistic here, but we've got love or fear but there's so much else around fear in terms of think about when you're anxious, but we're afraid Like what are we anxious about? Is that the unknown? It's the uncertainty. And, um, you know, I often, one of the things I, I share with children and parents is, you know, what hides under that angry mask, because anger tends to be that more protective emotion. It's, you know, it makes us feel more powerful. So sometimes, you know, children that are anxious, it isn't displayed as anxieties. We know they actually get angry because anger i feel a bit more in control but what's underneath anger what's it trying to protect and even think for yourself whenever you've been angry what have you been trying to protect it's a boundary it's a value it's not feeling heard it's not feeling disrespected um and so it really is about okay exploring what what is that that fear, you know, is it, disapp- and, and I'd also say, you know, under the angry mask, we've also got hunger and we've got tiredness and exhaustion, which is is something right. else to consider too. Um, but it's how do we increase our tolerance and capacity to, to work through those difficult emotions and recognize those emotions within us, but that, there, that there's a feeling that comes and goes and I can feel the feeling, but I don't need to become that feeling.
0: So you kind of talked a little bit about the barriers that these children are facing. And so I was wondering, what do you see as some of those most common barriers to helping children navigate those emotions? Potentially these barriers are with the kids or maybe they're with the adults trying to help them.
2: I think, you know, and I always say to parents, like being a parent is the toughest job you're ever going to do. And there's no manual or guide book. And I think first of all, understanding have compassion for yourself as a parent, because you weren't taught any of this and now it's the blind leading the blind. And so you're not going to get it right all the time. Um, But sometimes the barrier is the parent's perception. And that's obviously the work that I do in terms of educating, let's shift that perspective, really understand what's going on with your child and why they're behaving the way that they are. Um, But definitely coming from a space of compassion because we tend to parent how we were parented, or maybe we do the complete opposite. But our parents did the best that they could do with the tools they had and so forth. Right. Um, and I mean, I definitely think, you know, other barriers are so to say, I think every generation has its own pressures to, you know, like the pressure that they face. Um, it feels like now a lot of the pressure that the kids face is social media, online, the amount of information we receive on a day-to-day basis that little brains just aren't really equipped to deal with. Um, and I would say, I I would say a barrier as well is, or just a challenge is, but it's, we we are learning on this process with our children. So I'm doing the work as well as I'm raising, you know, as I'm looking after my children in that capacity, it's like, I don't have this all sorted and I'm not going to get it right all the time. And I think that it's, it's always having that, you know, that learner's
1: mindset about it um yeah which is hard because it triggers a fear for us as parents too that are we creating you know are we creating permanent damage are we are we you know we making irreparable mistakes um and I think that's hard too it's our own anxiety about parenting um mm-hmm. or, or anger going back to those two emotions mm-hmm. I feel like those two often show up in parenting as well
2: Mm-mm. Yeah, I would say definitely is. It's it's being mindful of your own stories like that's why you know it's the biggest developmental journey you'll ever go on I think is having children (laughs) because you're learning all the time they're teaching you about yourself all the time and if you choose to you can put on the lens of okay they're showing me where I need to grow they're showing me where I need to be more patient more tolerant where I need to perhaps have a, a a different perspective about things um but it's you're And it's also recognizing I'm not going to get it right all the time and that's okay because the world isn't perfect. So it's, it's, and I always say to parents as well, you know, there's always an opportunity for a do-over. So if you have that learner's mindset, okay, I shouted at you, I flipped my lid. That wasn't cool. And I'm really sorry. I got so mad. I didn't even think about what was going on for you. I'm sorry. I mean, it goes back to the question of like, you know, parenting has changed a lot, but I wasn't apologized to as a child and it doesn't make our parents weak because our parents are human beings. But if we can apologize and own our stuff, when we get it wrong, we're modeling what we want them to do. So we often say, say, sorry, but we say, sorry, you know, when we need to. Um, So I think, you know, that, that, sorry, just go back to that that catastrophization of, am I messing them up for the rest of their lives? Am I, no, no, because parenting is not just one moment. It's lots of little moments. And if we're always trying to do the work, we're getting so much more, you know, I don't want to say right and wrong, but we're doing so much more right versus
1: getting it wrong. Well, that's great encouragement. I really appreciate that. Uh, you said there's no, there's no playbook. There's no owner's manual to parenting. Um, you have some great frameworks and tools. Uh, I want to step into one of them, uh, which is kind of this five steps to navigating big feelings. Um, the first step is explore it. Don't fight it. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Mm,
2: yeah. So that is <laughs> the first step is the awareness of, We often want to fight the uncomfortable feeling or resist or suppress it. Um, Let's sit with it. Let's explore it a little bit. So, you might not be able to do this in the moment when your child's shouting at you. I get that. Uh, The main thing there is what are you doing to keep yourself calm? And that takes work and it takes practice and it's not easy. But later on, have a conversation about, you know, I got really, how we had big feelings earlier and I got really mad and you got mad. Tell me a bit more about that mad feeling. Where do you feel the feeling in your body when you get really mad? What would, you know, what are the things that makes you feel mad? Um, you know, and I go through an exercise of kids around, um, you know, coloring in where I feel the anger in my body. Where do I feel the worry? Uh, we sometimes create a feeling character. So, you know, one of the boys I went to call his anger tornado. And what is tornado trying to tell you? What does it need? So when we can begin to explore the feeling, what we're also doing with our children is we're teaching them it's safe to be in this feeling. It's not bad to feel this feeling. It's not bad that you're angry. It's not bad that you're feeling anxious. It's just another feeling. And, you know, really seeing, helping our kids learn our feelings of visitors. They come and they go. And each visitor is trying to give us some information. And if we can listen to that information, then that will that, that can help us in terms of what does that feeling need? You know, maybe it is that I need help. Maybe it is that I need some time out because there's too much going on. Um, what, you know, and I mean, obviously this takes time over, you know, just not, not a quick thing. It, it takes time to build this. But I think it also starts with becoming aware of your feelings of, mm. do you know what, right now I'm feeling really agitated or I'm feeling worried. No wonder I'm feeling worried because I, I don't know how to control the situation. But okay, let me explore it a bit.
1: Well, what I heard in that was some curiosity and helping walk our children through some Mm -hmm. curiosity about, about these emotions, some, some, some deep compassion as we explore this together to create that safe. It's okay to feel this way where we Mm -hmm. go matters. And then even, even some courage to be a little vulnerable with our own, our own story and, and, and even how, how it's, how this stuff's showing up for us.
2: Yeah. And that I would say is where it really starts. You have to do this yourself you have to recognize and sit. Okay. This feels uncomfortable for me too, but that's what I'm saying. Like the work starts with us, you know, and it's if we can have the courage and the bravery to do that, I mean, what a gift we're giving our children, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if it was easy work, we wouldn't have you on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely sounds like it. definitely, uh, hard work and hard, hard conversations to have. So I know that you title step two as breathe it out. What is this and why is blowing bubbles one way to help children stay calm and stressed?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, so the breath, I mean, breath is something I'm sure we're all familiar with, like just take a deep breath. But actually, how are we breathing? And I think teaching our children how to breathe as well. That, you know, when we get stressed, that cortisol floods our brain, you know, that that rational thinking part goes offline, fight or flight kicks into action, we can't think straight. Whereas if we train ourselves to do those diaphragmatic breaths, you know, take those diaphragmatic breaths. And the bubbles really is just, you know, it's one of, I mean, there's so many breathing exercises out there, but one of the ones I teach children is power breathing. So, you know, we breathe in for a count of three and through our nose, and I slowly breathe out through my mouth as if I'm blowing out lots of bubbles. So if I'm blowing out quickly, it's like the bubbles pop. But if I'm taking that slow out breath, that obviously, you know, elongates that out breath Um, but when we're tapping into that diaphragmatic breathing we're calming the nervous system it switches on the rest and digest response so it allows that prefrontal cortex to come back online Um, and equally that's just as powerful for us as adults we need to be doing that because we have a fully developed prefrontal cortex our child doesn't and so we need to be that calm, you know, when I say calm, you might not internally feel zen, it's the feelings, but you've got to be that calm yeah. presence for your child. Um, and, you know, so breathing is one of the ways to do that. But I also say practice it, practice it when you're not stressed, practice it when you're doing different things and you're, you're constant to train, like I say to kids, train your body what it feels like. So you can use it in those big feeling moments, but it won't take, that the, the anger feeling away it's still going to be that and it feels so counterintuitive but the more we practice it which is like a muscle obviously that's what we're wanting to help our children learn and develop over time
1: i was hoping you were going to have nolan practice <laughs> the bubble well, bubbles yeah that i was i i would pay money for that <laughs>
0: Not today, um, Aaron.
1: Not today. Not not today. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie, uh, name it. Name it to tame it. That's step three. How does that help a children build their emotional awareness and help them better express their feelings? Yeah,
2: that comes around developing that emotional vocabulary Uh, you know earlier I spoke about what's hiding under the angry mask so beginning to help your child over time explore what are those different am I disappointed am I sad am I and also what I would say is you know I am feeling sad I am feeling frustrated I'm feeling stressed so I am feeling the feeling I'm not the feeling I'm feeling this feeling but when we can name those emotions as well and I can't remember where this research has come from um but I'm sure Dr. Daniel Siegel talks about this in terms of when we can name those feelings, um, that it, it starts, it, it lowers the intensity of that emotion within the emotional hub of the brain and actually name it to tame it um, was adopted from Dr. Daniel Siegel's work. He's done some fantastic work as well around this, but also what we're doing there is we're helping our children to develop that emotional vocabulary. Um, and so another way to do this as well is simply just to talk about, different feelings so I often have a poster of different feelings that I send parents and you know let's talk about jealousy what does jealousy feel like in our body when might we be jealous what makes you know what is that how do how I look when I'm jealous you know versus if I'm angry or versus when I'm feeling sad and the more words children have to express how they feel they can explain what I'm feeling inside because it just feels really uncomfortable
1: now I don't want to take us on a rabbit trail here, but I was reading one of your, your posts, recent posts talking about, and I just wonder if it's connected in terms of uh, connecting to the kind of expanding our emotional vocabulary, the emotional vocabulary of, of, of students or of kids. Um But you talked about how there are better questions than just asking a child, how was your day? <laughs> There's some better questions. I just wonder if those questions, I, I, and, and if I'm, if I'm off track, correct me. Um, Do those also help us build kind of the emotional vocabulary so kids can talk about this a little more easily?
2: Yeah, I think so. Those questions, I think asking your child the blank question, how was your day? Today is a long day in the world of a child. And um, even asking us, how's your day? Fine. Um, But actually (laughs) when we can zoom in on like an aspect of the day, you know, what was difficult about a day? What was one difficult thing you did, but you you gave it a try in any case? And what made you proud today? What made you smile? We're helping them kind of zoom in on a particular moment in the day. Um, And then also we're tapping into the emotions, that was around that as well. So it can maybe provide an opportunity to talk a bit more about the nuances of whatever the, the feeling is that they felt, you know, maybe I didn't feel proud, like super proud, not that that's an emotion as such, but I might've felt, you know, yeah, I've done that, like a sense of accomplishment. Um, so I think, you know, that that's also a really useful way to explore. And also it's also really useful with emotions is if you're watching cartoons or stories, look at the characters, what emotions are they feeling and try to veer away from happy and sad and mad. Let's, let's go a little bit deeper. I find that that's always a really powerful way because it's almost like we're going on a scavenger hunt to see what these characters are really feeling.
1: That's That's a nice point.
0: You write that resisting uncomfortable feelings won't make them go away. In fact, Mm. it usually makes them feel more intense. How does your step four, don't resist it, learn to surf it connect to the deep breathing that we were discussing just a minute ago and what does it mean to surf uncomfortable feelings?
2: Yeah, I guess it also ties in with the learning to sit with it or becoming curious about it is um, when we have, you know, if I think of anxiety, we often get anxious and this fear of, um, you know, I was working with a client recently who was nervous about a public speech that they had to give and this fear that she felt that was really big and like this fear gets bigger and bigger and it stops me from doing things but that's just resisting it because I'm trying to suppress it, but actually, okay, let's befriend the fear. Okay. Let's just, okay. Here it is. Let's make it into a character like we've just spoken about. Give it a shape. What color is it? Heavy? Is it light? I love that. That's such a, uh, whenever I've done this kids, even young kids, if you say is it a heavy feeling or a light feeling, they tend to pick up like those, you know, as we don't have negative emotions, but if we're looking at those like more uncomfortable things, they tend to always feel heavy, but, um, so it's it's that's the you know that's focusing on our children, but with us as adults as well. And I appreciate this goes against every fiber in your being when you want to get out of the door and you've got things to do, and you are you can get yourself caught up in that power struggle and your child's having a meltdown. But the more we're trying to control or suppress the meltdown, the bigger it gets. But the minute we just okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hold space for it i get it. I get this is hard. I know this is difficult and whatever that might be that allows the feeling to come and the feeling go. And actually even from, you know, as adults and I've done this myself and I've got an uncomfortable feeling coming up, let's say it is um, anxiety. I'll literally sometimes take myself and just go and sit and be like, okay, let this feeling come through me. And then it goes out again. And there's always that point where you can feel the feeling subside again. But And I mean, this absolutely takes practice. It takes work. It's a muscle we're building. And it feels so counterintuitive. But if we're resisting it, or if we're suppressing it, we know with suppressing emotions, they always come up and they come up in different ways. Um, And that's why I sometimes like to use the analogy of, okay, I'm surfing the wave. Right now I'm surfing the wave. And, And teaching that to our kids as well. It was a big feeling, you know, it feels really big. We're just surfing the wave. Imagine, you know, sometimes that visual can be really helpful as well.
1: So we've been through explore it. Don't fight it. Breathe it out. Name it to tame it. And don't resist it. Learn to surf it. The fifth and final step is what you call mood boosters. Can you tell us a little bit about what they are and how they help bring calm to a situation?
2: yeah so movement you know, and i'm thinking about it, it works just as well with you know anxiety based but movement is such a great way to release energy um you know that that emotion is energy in motion in our body and you know if we think about anger it's a very big physical like oh, it's a lot of energy inside me um so i often you know teach kids to move it to lose it so move my body in a safe way to release the feeling uh you know we gamified a lot so whether we set the timer for 30 seconds and we run on the spot or shake it out Um, you know with some kids one of the girls I worked with she had a trampoline in the garden so she was like I'm gonna move it to lose it and jump on the trampoline for you know 10 minutes um music as well putting on your favorite Mm. song and dancing it out when I feel like I've got these big feelings anything to move the body I mean getting out in nature is also really good going for a walk or you know just getting outside but we're moving that energy through our body and I mean I'm sure you can also relate. Has there ever been a time when you've like moved your body and you're like, no, that was the worst thing I ever did. I mean, it's like <laughs> it generally it tends to, we don't feel like it, but then afterwards we like, to you know what? That actually made a difference. I feel better for it.
0: Hey everyone, Nolan here. I have to jump in and end today's podcast for part A of the show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the Negotiate X podcast if you haven't already. And also join us next week for part B of this awesome interview. Thank you for listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online.